Hi guys, it is Rylan here with another episode of the Rye Union, brought to you by my good friends at Sky at Bingo. Now, this is the series where I like to have a good old chat and Rye unite some celebs with blasts from the pasts and people that they know. But really, it's just an excuse to have a good old chat. Now, as a few of you may know, I am a massive fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, especially Drag Race UK. Now, if you are, well, Shantae, you better stay because we have got a Drag Race extravaganza for you. Because in this episode, I'm getting not one, not two, but three of my favourite stars from Drag Race together. I'm going to be having the gorgeous Cheryl Hole as my co-pilot. And we are going to be chatting to the lovely Ella Day and Kitty Scott Claus. Now, these girls have dished out some looks between them. So I hope they're going to be kind to me. I cannot wait to have a chat. So let's talk to the gorgeous Cheryl Hole. And here she is, the self-proclaimed, and I back it, Essex diva, Cheryl Hall. And the king of Essex themselves, <laughs> Ryland Baby, how are you doing? I'm good, gorgeous. Uh, can I just say, I know this is a podcast, but as everyone knows with this series, we actually speak to each other face to face. You look stunning. Oh, thank you, baby. Do you know what? This was a 25-minute face because I needed an extra five minutes in bed and an extra 10 minutes on the toilet this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Shell, it is so good to finally have a good old chat with you because you know I've been a massive fan of yours since day one. When you first stepped foot onto season one of Drag Race, I was absolutely obsessed with you. I was like, one, how do I not already know her? And two, why didn't I know that she lived so close to me and why are we not best mates? You literally burst onto the scene and everyone was like, Cheryl Hull, the mediocre queen from Essex that we literally adore. How was being on the very first series of Drag Race UK for you? Well, Rylan, the feeling's mutual because obviously us Essex divas, we've got to stick together. <laughs> but no, on it. Honestly, I was... Stick together, babe. Yeah. We we were so lucky to be a part of the first season because when you go into something for the first time, you never know what it's going to be like. And to be honest, I just, like everything in life, I roll with the punches and I'm just thankful for every opportunity that I get. So the fact that I got on the first season of Drag Race, I was just like, right. I don't care what happens. We're going to have a fabulous time. And I like to just hit the ground running and just make the most of any situation because we don't know how long this ride is going on for. I want to be on South End. I want to go to Adventure Island, ride range for 24-7. But that's not going to happen, is it? You just want a free wristband to Peter Pan, don't you? That's all you want. Exactly. I want to go down the Hell Skelter like there's no tomorrow. Bring back the crooked ass. That's what I was saying. Wait, is it gone? The crooked. I think the crooked ass went, babe. Down South End. Don't do this to me. Do not do this to me. What a couple of years. I know. Do you know what I mean? The pandemic, now the crooked house. <laughs> I just I just can't deal with it, Shell. Devote. <laughs> Absolute demo. Um, I know you've been a massive fan of Drag Race since, you know, the beginning of time, like we all have. I mean, there was rumours that it was coming to the UK and that RuPaul was going to be a part of it. I'm going to genuinely say this hand on heart. I do genuinely think, and I'm not just saying this because we're from the UK, but I think Drag Race UK is possibly the best franchise of the entire RuPaul dynasty because there is something about British humour that just translates so well around the world. When you join that lineup, and I mean, you had such a strong lineup for season one, 
What was your first impressions of the other queens? Did you know any of them? The funny thing is, I went into that room and I knew every single one of them, whether I'd heard of them, seen them or worked with them. The only one I didn't know was Scaredy because she came fresh from her bedroom. Who's going to know her? No one. Literally rolled out. I was just like... (laughs) Ready for an amazing time. And the funny thing is, is when you watch the US season, they're all introducing themselves because the US is so big that they're like, hi, I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I'm from Seattle. And they're all like, oh, so what's your drag? Whereas I'm like, hello, girl, hello, girl, hello, girl. (laughs) But the thing is, is you had to have those staples on the British scene on the first season to really put the franchise on the map. Mm. And I think what I loved about the first season is you could tell that we were all there just for a good time. And yes, we all wanted to do well and succeed and win. But on the whole, we were just like, this is insane. Like, we were the first of any international franchise. So we were like, we are making history, or as Marble Rule says, History, mama. All about the history. All about the history. But you did. You did. You all made history because it was such a success. I mean, I'm definitely one of those people that sits there and goes, if it wasn't for Drag Race, I don't think BBC Three would have come back to linear TV either. It was such a success. It's actually brought a channel back to linear TV. And that is down to you girls. And I know, and we all know from watching Drag Race around the world, People do get success from this show. It's, it's At the end of the day, it's a reality TV competition. It was a bit like me with X Factor. I owe my career to being on that show. I thought when I was on X Factor, do you know what? Whatever happens, win or lose, I'll get a couple of gigs for a couple of months, earn a bit of money, maybe be able to get myself a little like place that I could rent and I'll be set up and then I'll go and do a normal job. But actually, for you girls, it's carried on like it did for me. And the success that you have got from that show, could you ever believe it? Absolutely not. And I say that with my hand on heart, that I just thought this was going to be big in the UK. Some people might watch in America. Some might watch, like, in other places. But to have it on an international spectrum, I was just literally blown away. And to see that it grow and grow with each season that's come, I just feel so proud because we really did the damn thing. But I'm a hustler through and through. And after that season, I was just like, cool. You're an Essex girl. Well, exactly. We're grafters. We'll make any situation work. And I wasn't going to sit back and just wait for things to be given to me. Like nothing in my life has been given to me. I'm a musical theatre child. I went to theatre school. So you have to work. You have to graft. You have to hustle. And you have to get out there and show people that you're here. And I truly did that for two years through an entire pandemic i made any situation work they locked us up in our house and i went cool well i'll start doing things from our living room (laughs) like i i was ready to make any situation work but you know there's some people that are just there for the ride and they'll just take whatever's given to them but i want to make the most and i want to have the best time doing it yeah and i think we're watching you do that i mean so many things that you've done we need to talk about you at G.A.Y. when you were performing not long ago. Now, I've been to G.A.Y. a few times. I think we all have as homosexual men. And sometimes... Famously, I've seen you with my blue hydrangea. (laughs) You have a couple of drinks, you end up on the stage. It's what happens. But 
you are on the stage. I mean, Blue must be fuming because I ended up joining Blue Hydrangea on stage. But you got someone, I'd say, just a slightly bit more, I don't know, what's the word? Renowned, a little bit, just a, only a tiny bit, just a tiny bit more famous. Would you like to share who that was for anyone that didn't see it? Well, somehow I ended up rolling in the deep, chasing pavements <laughs> with someone like you. That was Adele. I mean, I can't. The Adele. I can't. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, normally, right, you you know the dressing room. It's like a green room dressing room. You walk up the stairs and I walked up there. I arrived and normally the cast of season three is already there because they're out every single night of the week. Nothing and not, I'm yeah. just like ready to see Crystal Versace and Anubis in the corner. <laughs> and I walked up and there was no one there. And I was like, this is strange. Normally there's like a group of people here already. It's like quarter past 12. And I was like, look, let's crack on. Let's just do the damn thing. And then all of a sudden I'm putting my last three nails on. And then they say Adele's at the back door. I'm like, well, <laughs> they're like the Adele is here tonight. And I was like, nah, I don't believe you. You're just trying to pull my leg, Jeremy. And then all of a sudden, you know the voice. You can't mistake the voice. Oh, hello. I just hear, hello, babes. And <laughs> the cackling coming around the corner, I went, yeah. And I couldn't believe it. That's why we love her. That is why we love her. Because I've always said, Adele's one of us. It doesn't matter how big she is, how internationally renowned that woman is. She literally does not give two and she will st swan up to G-A-Y. She'll be like, hello, Cheryl. She will get on a pole in yeah. her broken blazer. I mean, can you believe you shared the stage with Adele? I mean, I'm going to put that on every poster that I've got and sell that till the end of time. That I, I, <laughs> I have, I have hugged and shared a stage with Adele and I sang her song, maybe not with her, but I sang it to her. So <laughs> I just think this is literally what dreams are made of. This is literally what dreams are made of. And you know that my podcast is all about reuniting people. And Cheryl, we know that that was such a big deal for you. And I know Adele. And I'm very pleased to say that she is here now because she has got something she wants to say to you. Adele, come on in. I'm totally joking, Shell. I'm totally joking. I've not got that clout. <laughs> I was in you like... <laughs> Rylan, I know you can pull some strings. I know you're on this morning, but hey. I'm still waiting for my call for supermarket sweep. Thank you. Babe, I'm waiting for it to come back. You'll be the first one. I've said for ages I wanted a drag queen special. I want all of you on there. I can just imagine you, the amount of broken ankles I'll have in that supermarket will be lulls. The carnage, the chaos, <laughs> the, the chaos, calamity. The calams, the calams of it all. Um, Shell, you are, like you said, a musical theatre girl. You, you've been doing this for years. Let's talk a little bit about Luke, because Luke is someone who... Who? <laughs> Luke is someone who is Cheryl behind closed doors. Now, I've always sat here and said, I'm so glad because my real name's Ross. And I feel like sometimes Rylan is a little bit of a defence for me. It's like a little bit of a character that I can just go out, take the take the flack or just take whatever's thrown at me. And it's not yeah. Ross that's getting it. How does Luke deal with Cheryl? Do you know what? I always say that when I'm in drag, it's just 
me, but with the volume turned up 20% more. So it's the same person, the same entity, the same energy, but it's just like I've got an IV of Red Bull in me. <laughs> so like I'm just like ready to have a good time and pumped up to the high heavens. But also, look at me. This is like a suit of armour. I paint it on, I strap it up, and I'm ready for battle, mm. no matter what anybody throws. And in all honesty... From years of working with these queens from Drag Race when they come over touring from the US before Drag Race UK was even a thing, they would always tell me, like, you have to have such a thick skin because you've got people's unsolicited opinions thrown at you 24-7. And I think that prepared me for how nasty people can be because whilst there's... 70% love out there. There's 30% of people that just want to tear you down and just want to see you fail. Yeah. But as long as you don't let them affect you, you are going to succeed in life because the minute that guard comes down, they've won. They can get to you. And I think having this already here as a protection, as an entity, it stops everything. But pre-me being on Drag Race, there was not an ounce of me out of drag on any of my socials because I wanted like Hannah Montana the best of both worlds yeah. so I could literally walk through the club and not have people being like because you know it firsthand people are there for clout and mm. attention yeah. and they just want to use you and I have a very small inner circle that I have never had to feel like I've got someone taking advantage or using me because I've had the same people from the jump. I've not changed, so they've not changed. I look around at some of the people that I knew pre-drag race that have now got on and I go, who's that? Yeah. Like, what's happened to you? But it's what happens in the game and it doesn't mean they've changed really as a person, but their energy and their approach to life has changed, whereas... I was in Tesco's yesterday and a girl lost their mind that I was in Tesco's at 7.30 at night. And I was like, oh, babes, I was just picking up some milk and some bacon. Like, it's no, it's no big... And she was like, can I get a picture? I was like, babes, of course. Like, I had yeah. no eyebrows on. I looked rough as <laughs> But do I care? No, because I'm just little old shares in Tesco's just doing normal things. Like, look, like we were saying about Adele, she's just one of the girls. Nothing's going to change her. And that's truly what we should all know is like, no matter how famous you are, no matter how much in the public eye, we are all the same people walking the same paths and walking the same life. Mm, absolutely. And going in the same Tesco. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, M&S and a Waitrose would be lovely. I mean, but do you I don't know think what? They got do you that. know what I mean? It's, you know, you got you swing some roundabouts. It depends how well you do it at the time. Yeah. Um, I know <laughs> that from being on that type of competition, because you've just touched on it, that especially in this day and age, when I sort of went on X Factor, it was 2012, so it was 10 years ago this year, which makes me feel f***ing old. Back then, that's when social media was really... had come through, people were really using it. Rife. And, yeah, rife. Rife is the word. But now, I feel like social media has turned into an opinion platform. That's all it is now. Back then it felt a little bit more fun. I feel like now yeah. it's an opinion platform. So to come into the game sort of for a few years now, especially during the pandemic and things like that, where people are literally relying on things like social media for social interaction where no one's going out, how hard did you find 
everyone talking about you because I do see it a lot with the Drag Race franchises and the fans that a lot of the queens, they get a lot of thrown at them. A lot of thrown at them for a hairline, yeah. like for nothing, for absolutely nothing. How did you find that when it first happened to you properly? So the first time round, obviously, you are finding your feet and you have to gauge like this huge influx of people that now suddenly seeing you and want to know you and talking about you, you're right. okay, it's exciting. You want to see what everybody's saying. You want to see the love and you want to be excited. But at the same time, you will see the negativity and people being like, what an annoying And I'm like, yeah, I can be annoying. And I remember that second episode, I do not watch that episode back at all because it brings back such like dark times for me because that's when there was a big turn on me because one person made a comment saying, I wasn't being me. So everybody was like, what a fake bitch. What, she's so annoying. Just because one person in Untucked said it. And it's just so funny how everybody can flip at you on you at the flip of a dime. And I'm like, wait a second, because flash forward a couple of weeks, everybody was saying how much they love me. And like, you have to remind yourself that there's light at the end of the tunnel. So whilst there's a negative moment and it feels like the world is imploding in on you, you have to go, it's all going to blow over. Mm. And everybody's going to forget about it. Especially when you film a season like Drag Race, you film in advance so you know what's coming. You go, I don't care because I make the top four. And I'm so proud of everything I've done. So just you wait. And I think going back the second time, I was prepared for that. So I'm very good at putting what I need to on social media and then stepping away. Mm. The thing is, it's like, I can't, afford to cloud my head with negativity because I was already clouded with negativity post this season because it didn't go Mm. to how I planned and I genuinely felt like I was a failure so I had to spend a lot of time by myself reminding myself like no you were invited back for a reason it's the nature of the game it's no comment on your talent as an artist so I didn't want to see that comments so I just prepared myself to not search for anything, to not look for anything, to not go through all the comments and just live my life and just have fun. And going back as well is always... It's, it's always different second time round. I mean, you can look at the positives of, you know, I'm ready for this. I've been through that experience. Yeah. So I know what to expect when it comes down to the public and how people talk to you and the, the sort of attention that you get. But going back for UK versus the world, how did you feel going in knowing that you were obviously going to have a few of your sisters there that you'd worked with, you know, Bagger, Blue, etc.? But then knowing that you're going to be working with queens from around the world, that I, I don't know, did you, was there anyone you didn't know? I knew of all the queens. It's just I Mm. hadn't met Janie. I hadn't met Pangina. And I hadn't actually properly met Jimbo because we'd only been like in passing like, oh my God, it's so lovely to meet you. Mm. And then that was that. So it was great to get to know these queens. And you know me, you put me in a room, I'm going to chat 
the asses off everybody because I just want to know everything and just have a fabulous time. But I think that's a testament to us as people. We just want to lift the room and put like life and positivity back in there. And somebody actually the other day, you know how in your at replies, if you just click on them and it's the top one, you see it. Somebody tweeted the other day, she's so annoying. There's such a thing as toxic positivity. And I was like, what the is this like is there such a thing as toxic positivity like f off if anything you you're being negative so what am i gonna do i'm gonna yeah. turn up the positive because look we're here for a good time not a long time so <laughs> please can that be the clip we send out for the promo please that's all I ask. I don't want that as the promo clip. Just share. Oh my Christ. Just not me getting like, cancelled. That's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Shes, I think it's about time we speak to a couple of the other girls and bring them into the fold because obviously you were season one and I think we should speak to some girls that have followed in your footsteps and see what their experience was like. You up for it? No. <laughs> No, not one bit. Well, let's bring them in now. It is the gorgeous Ella of a Day and Kitty Scott Claus from season three. Hello, girls. Hello, Rylan. How are Look you? Hi. You too. I am very, very good. Now, I, would, I just want to go full steam ahead with disclosure here. Ella of a Day. I have known you for many a year now. I've known you as Nick because mm. you actually used to be one of my runners at Big Brother years and years and years ago. I know. We used to be on that little golf caddy thing up and down the hill just for a laugh when you wanted to break. <laughs> it was so much fun. And now look, I'm on your bloody Literally, your podcast. It's you, crazy. You're on me podcast. I mean, this is it. Girls, I've had such a lovely chat with Sheza about coming onto Drag Race, uh, being part of season one and being part of that sort of birth of the Drag Race franchise over here. But I really want to talk to you girls because the pair of you were on season three. Kitty, let me start with you. You are so funny. You are literally hilarious. I think you're so great on the show. How did you find being part of season three and coming onto the stage following in the footsteps of all I can describe as a blonde Mel B on the screen in front of me. Do you know what? I'm obviously very good friends with our Cheryl, and um, I went through Cheryl's drag race journey with her, like back when she started doing season one, and I saw absolutely everything that was happening to her, and I was just like, this is the most incredible thing like that could happen to anybody, and like, I just think the world of of our Cheryl, it's like she's dead, isn't yeah, it? God bless her soul. Stop um, it! <laughs> But I was, I was honestly just so like in awe of her and just like everything that it could offer. So when the opportunity arose to audition for season three, I was like, of course, I'm going to audition. It has to happen. It's going to be fab. I want everything. I see the attention Cheryl gets and I want that. I want the free drinks. I want the boys' attention. I want the booze. Famously, you want the boys' attention. Oi, oi. Oh, not this again, Shez. Stop it now. <laughs> no, I'm getting a reputation it, yeah. now. Kitty, don't stress. I mean, over the past three months, I'm building myself a bit of a reputation. And let me tell you, it's good for the career. Um, Ella, let me talk to you, babes, because you literally walked onto Drag Race and you were serving look after look after look. And do you know what as well? I've got to say this. You, I want to ask you about Nick as well because I asked the same question to Cheryl mm. earlier how does Nick deal with Ella and how does Ella deal with Nick um I, I feel like we're very much the same person like I think in terms of 
drag I, I think it's important for me to to maintain both sides of me because I feel like a lot of people can get swept up in drag and then completely forget who they are whereas I've been myself Nick for like 32 years so it's kind of hard for me to shift that part of me so like that's why I don't I keep my eyebrows and all that sort of but Ella gets all the attention which is kind of annoying sometimes always being called Ella is kind of weird when you only start doing drag at 30 you know what I mean but no, it's been it's been such a wild ride having done so much theatre and you know TV stuff with you running around. It's been it's been absolutely mental. Such a culture shock, if anything. But this is this is I'm so interested in this because you you've only been doing drag for what is it two years now, two and a half years? About three years now, I think. Yeah. And I mean that's not a long time in the grand scheme of life. And I know that Shares and Kitty, you know, they've 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 loved drag. They've been doing drag for a while now. But I mean, you are pretty new to it. Did you ever think that when you went on Drag Race, which was only what I think it was a year into it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember now. I never in a million years imagined I would go on Drag Race. Like it was always just like a silly idea I'd had in my head. And I wouldn't have been on that season for sure because I should have been in Hairspray. So like. It just so happened that COVID came about. I was sat at home not doing anything for a year, you know, playing with makeup and wigs and stuff. And then I thought, yeah, I'll go to Drag Race. And <laughs> this is what happened. It's a dirty hobby, and I think you should stop it now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Shameful secret. <laughs> you are such a comedy queen, Kitty. You literally give me lols any time that you are on the screen. Have you always been this funny? Do you know what? The sad thing is, I went into Drag Race thinking like, right, I'm here. I'm going to be like the theatre queen. I'm going to be like the quirky musical theatre gal. And then Ella walked in and I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. No, but also there were like eight of us last season that were like musical theatre girls. I was like, well, guess I'll be the funny one then. But they said to me before we walked in, they were like, how would you describe yourself? And I was like, oh, I'm just like, just a normal go-getter, like a gal about town. And they were like, do you not think you're a comedy queen? And I was like, not really, no. <laughs> um, so I never really thought of myself as a comedy queen. And I don't think it was until Drag Race that people were like, oh, you're quite funny. I'm like, oh, okay, like... I've always, like, that's the thing. I've always made myself laugh, which isn't like, that's not an endearing quality to have in a person at all. But no, I think if you can't make anyone else laugh, how are you going to make yourself laugh? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely, babe. And Kitty, you, you actually auditioned for, you, you auditioned for season two, didn't you? I did. I did. So before the pandemic, I was doing musical theatre as well, I was doing panto, and so I had about two days to do, because you have to do like a really, it's a really intense like audition tape you have to do, and you have to, so much to fit in into 10 minutes, and it's so intense, and for season three I took about three weeks to film it all, I did it all in about two days for season two, it was such like a rush job that I was just like, oh my God, like now looking back at it, I'm like, no wonder I didn't get on. But you did in season three. And I wanted to ask Cheryl this actually, because I remember after I'd won Celebrity Big Brother, I remember the next series of Celebrity Big Brother, I got so jealous of people basically living in my house. I was like, who the are these people thinking, you know, walking into this Big Brother house thinking they're all odd. How was it for you watching season two and three, knowing that you guys were there first, if you like. Did you feel a little bit territorial? Well, season two, it was so funny because everybody that watched season one was like, oh my God, I would have done amazing this challenge. I would have slayed this challenge. And I was like watching the queens go into season two like, 
go on then, see how easy it is. So it was just fun to see everybody go through the Thunderdome <laughs> and just be like, see how hard it is. Because it is tough, it is hard, and it's like really, really challenging for your mind and your body and everything. So behind the curtain, you know how it works. So it's funny seeing like, oh, that's how that would have worked on that challenge and here and there. So season two was fun, but I went into film UK versus the world straight after they finished filming season three. So it was exciting knowing that I knew what was going on there because look, we talk and the, the producers know we talk. So me and Kitty knew exactly what we were doing with each other. We were helping each what other. What do you mean? It's you're finished and I'm finished too. I've been I've been eliminated. Um but like I I was so excited knowing like oh there's a fresh group of girls going in and like famously there was some uh, debris left of season 3 and I was like oh what was that for? They were like nothing nothing to see here. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You're just like finding little bits and going oh what was this challenge from? Um someone's left their tits hanging around (laughs) um the pair of you actually lip-synced against each other and it was such a fantastic result in the end but how does it actually feel because i know you two get on really well how does it actually feel to have to lip-sync against one of your sisters knowing that potentially luckily enough not in your case no spoilers should watch it (laughs) but knowing that you could potentially be sending one of your mates home God, that was such an experience, wasn't it? Like, I literally was myself. My heart was palpitating out my little tiny corset. I was like, go, 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 And the good news was we were both in the top, so we had to lip sync against each other. So it didn't, you know. But even that said, I thought, if I do a really bad lip sync, I'm going to be sent home anyway. It doesn't matter that I was in the top. And plus, it was a bloody Girls Aloud song, which is what Kitty and Cheryl do so well. I don't really listen to Girls Aloud, so I was like, I've got no idea of this song. So my... <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Judas, I'm sorry. Judas. I am sorry. How do I kick him out? How do I kick him out of this call? But my technique was we're going to drop into every split we can do. We're going to face the back as much as possible and we're going to get through it. And get through it, we did. <laughs> Me and Ella hadn't listened to the lip sync. We were like, oh, it's fine. Like Crystal and Vanity are in the bottom. It's all good. And then we got onto the main stage and Rue was like, Vanity Milan, you're safe. And we were like, what? Like, she can't be safe because we're in the top. Like, literally the biggest face crack. And then when it turned out, it was like, you're both lip syncing. It was like, are you joking? Are you actually joking now? That was such a moment though. I did love it. And I remember when we were doing it, because obviously neither of us had lip sync before. (laughs) Never had to lip sync for our lives. We just had to lip sync for the win, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I remember like, I was singing along so loudly to all the words. I was like, take a walk on the world side. And then literally it was like, this is not a lip sync. This is like, I'm just trying to like belt my tits off. (laughs) I literally live in your best life that's what i love about it ladies before i let the pair of you go i want to ask you both a question ella where is ella the day gonna be in the next 10 years do you think oh f- i've no idea i can't think that far forward i think it's too far to, to, to call but in the next five years i want to be up on the main screen of films tv doing a bit of acting here there and everywhere because I feel like not many people have really broken into that direction yet. So, yeah, that's what I'd like to do. 
And Kitty, what about you, babes? Do you know what? I will probably be three kids down, probably pregnant with my fourth, married onto my fourth husband. But seriously, no, same as Ella. I'd love to just keep working. I'm starring in Death Drop in the West End, which opens on the 4th of March. So I'd love to keep doing that, keep having fun, keep being a hun, just living my best Lisa Scott Lee life. Oh, LSL till we die, babes. LSL till we die. (laughs) You know it, you know it, babes. Electric. Electric, babes. Ella, Kitty. It is such a pleasure to speak to you both. I'm so thrilled that you're both doing so well and just loving life and absolutely slaying everything that you do. You stay well and stay safe and hopefully get to give you a cuddle at some point soon. Yes, can't wait. Nice to see you. Yes, we love you. Long time no see. See you soon. Lots of love, girlies. Bye. CTFN. See you really soon. Bye. <laughs> You're listening to The Rye Union, brought to you by my friends at Sky Bingo, with a lot of chat, laughs, and some exciting times with some of your faves. That's one for you, Sky Bingo. Shell, I mean, how lovely to to speak to the girls. What is it like for you, sort of, seeing people that have followed in your footsteps? And like like Kitty was just saying, you know, you two go back as well. Do you know what? It's so lovely, because... In all honesty, with every season that comes, like season two and season three, I've reached out to every single one of them and just been like, if you need anything, let me know. Because what's the point in keeping the secrets to the industry to yourself? Like, you want to make sure that everybody's okay. You never want to be like... Like, I want to look out for everybody because it's a tough old world. Especially with Kitty, like, she is my ride or die. She's been there through everything. So I was like, I'm here no matter what you need, Divalina. And, uh, yeah, it's just nice to catch up. I haven't seen them in ages. Do you know what? I'm a, you know I'm a big fan of the show. And I've got to say, anyone that I've ever spoken to from Drag Race UK has always just been really grateful and just been really, really grateful of the opportunities that they've been given, the work that comes their way, at the money that they earn. And it does seem like a proper family. It seems like a connection. It's like I remember from when I did X, it's 10 years this year, we might not have spoke for five years, but the second you see that person, you've got that common ground. And it just seems like you're all just so grateful of it and you are sisters truly and obviously not everybody's gonna get on and some people may clash but on a whole we are one big family and like that is true to a family you might not all get on but you've got love and respect for each other and that is true like I'm doing my own shows, so I might not see. Like, I was texting Gothy the other day. She was like, when are you next in Manchester? I was like, probably not till July. She was like, are you joking? Because that's probably the next time we're going to see her. But it's not going to make a difference to how we are when we see each other in person because we're just going to pick up exactly where we left off. That is what a sister is. Trust and believe. Um, Shell, you know what I'm going to ask you now. Where is Cheryl Hull? In 10 years' time. She is going to be a main pop girly selling out the O2 arena. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yes! Could you imagine? I'll, I'll sell out the O2 Indigo, but maybe not the O2 arena. Adele on the phone going, babe, please can we do a duet? Please can we do a duet? And you're like, darling, I'm too busy. I'm oh, sorry, I'm in the studio. No, don't have time, don't have time. Uh, but no, like, look... I am 100% adamant I am still going to be doing exactly what I'm doing now. But I just want to keep hustling. Like, I never want to take any opportunity for granted. But also, 
I want to be selfish and do the things that I want to do. And I've done that recently. Like, I never thought I'd be able to put out my own music, my own single. And I had to remind myself, there is nothing stopping you do it. So just do it. The fact that I now have a song on Spotify, a music video, which I executive produced, basically directed and put out there. Like, I was so proud of everything that I've done and I want to continue on this journey. And look, I funded everything myself. There was no label or records behind me. So I'm a little bit on the broke side now, but I can safely say that I am so proud of what I've put out there. And trust and believe I'm going to be performing that song till the day I die. So Absolutely. <laughs> hopefully I still get the royalties. Yeah, f- right. And listen, if you want a tenor, I'll lend you a tenor, darling. Baby, thank you. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll go down the chippy and I'll get a bad sausage. Oh, stunning. That is what it's all about. Cheryl, this has been such a pleasure speaking to you. You are such a great person. And I'm so thrilled that good things have happened to someone good. Good luck with the single. Good luck with the performing. And uh, fingers crossed we get a lot more Shezza over the next few months. And fingers crossed, my darling, we can make it to <laughs> Smith's in Onga Bye. and go get a nice dinner. We're going to have a nice little Alex. We'll have a nice little surf and surf and we'll have a nice night out, sweetheart. Fabulous. It's a date. It is a date. Cheryl Hull, thank you, gorgeous. Love you lots. I love you more. Thank you, Ryland, baby. Oh, what an absolute treat that was. I have loved every single minute of that. We had the nice little triple threat of Cheryl Hole, Ella of a Day and Kitty Scott Claus. It was my absolute pleasure to have them on the show. And listen, if you love reality telly, I've also had Vernon Kay on the podcast series. I run United in with I'm a celeb campmate Beverly Callard, or should we say Dame Beverly Callard, because we love her. And they gave me a good bit of goss, actually, about being in that Welsh castle together. You don't want to miss that. So have a scroll down and listen to that one there if you haven't already. And as always, a massive thank you so much for listening to another reunion with my pals at Sky Bingo. That is 10 episodes deep. Where has the time gone? We've chatted to some amazing people. I hope I'll be chatting to you guys very, very soon. You stay well and stay safe. And keep talking. Lots of love. <laughs>